0: Well, again, a Merry Christmas to all of you. Here we are, Christmas Eve 2020. Yes, woo. Woo indeed. 2020 has been a very difficult year for all of us for so many different reasons. Actually, I was reading an article the other day which spoke about because of 2020 and because all the concern and the worry and the fears and the anxiety that there were many people who were prematurely aging, more gray hair, more wrinkles. I am one of those. You wouldn't believe the amount of stage makeup that Pastor Nate had to slather (laughs) all over my face tonight to get me to look this good. Now look, here is a photograph of me from our website, recently taken, and I must confess to you, heavily photoshopped, lots of airbrushing to smooth it all out. Because of 2020 and this premature aging, I will show you what I actually look like, and here it is. (laughs) It has been a very difficult year, this 2020 and I'm gonna show you another photograph that isn't a joke, it's one that when I see it, it can bring up a well of emotion. This is a photograph of our Father Lutheran Church a year ago today, Christmas Eve of 2019, which looked like this. And there we were, over 600 people crammed into this room and we were together and there was community and there was hugging and families and extended families were all together. It's been a difficult year, 2020. But what if, what if we had some sort of Magical pair of Christmas glasses that we could look through, these lenses that would help us to see through the dreariness and to see through the gloom and see through the mess of our lives in 2020. What if there was a way that we could see through all of the the worries and the fears that we've all kind of shared collectively together and we can just see something more beautiful and more wonderful and amazing and astonishing? a deeper reality, something that God was up to? What if we could, had a pair of lenses we could see through? Well, we have it. It's called Christmas. It's what Christmas is all about. Here in Luke chapter 2, well-known words written 2,000 years ago by a great historian named Luke, And maybe you've noticed this or maybe you haven't but the first half of the Christmas story verses 1 through 7 all of that is from a very earthly limited human perspective of the story of Christmas and it's pretty bleak it's pretty dire verses 1 to 7 this earthly vantage point of the story of christmas but then all of a sudden it shifts with verse 8 through 14 where the angels are showing us not a human perspective the earthly vantage point but now we see the story of christmas from a heavenly perspective, and it's glorious, and it's beautiful, and utterly astonishing. That's what I want us to do tonight. I want us to look again at these well-known words. We're going to see the first half, that earthly perspective of Christmas, and how bleak it really is, and then secondly, the heavenly perspective of Christmas, and how glorious it is, and see if that doesn't connect with our lives today. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, the earthly perspective of the story of Christmas. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the Roman world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all, everyone in the Roman Empire, went to be registered, each to his own town. Now what is the setting here? What's the backdrop for the story of Christmas from this earthly, limited vantage point? Well, it's The Roman Empire, it is the most powerful empire the world has ever known, and a decree, nay, a command is issued from the most powerful man in the world named Caesar Augustus, a name which he gave himself. It's the Roman Empire which is the backdrop to Christmas, the setting, the Roman Empire which historians estimate caused the death of over a billion people hundreds of thousands of Christian martyrs the setting here from the earthly perspective is oppression can you imagine living under the tyranny of Rome and again Caesar Augustus issues his decree a command That you are to go to your hometown, wherever your family line and lineage was from, in order to be what? To be registered. And what does that mean? That means the government, the empire, was collecting information about you. Why? So that they can better control you and so that they can tax you. And what would they do with those tax dollars where the bulk of them would go back to the grand and glorious city of Rome, to the wealthy, to the elite, and to powerful to make them even more wealthy, elite, and powerful? It's a pretty oppressive scene. The setting, from a human perspective, of Christmas. But then who are the main characters? That's the setting. Who are the characters? Well, we know Mary and Joseph. And it says here that Joseph also went up from Galilee... From the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, we've heard that story so many times, it doesn't just bounces right off of our heart and, and, and off our ears. We don't even slow down to think about it, but from a human perspective, what's happening here, if you're a first-century Jewish person, here is Mary and Joseph. They're betrothed, they're not fully married, and yet she is with child. And that means Mary and Joseph would have been shunned and shamed by the community in which they grew up in, and they would have been socially shunned and shamed in in large part from their own family, that's very likely why they're traveling to Bethlehem by themselves and not with their larger family group. They would have been shamed and shunned. They would have been social outcasts, but also spiritual outcasts as well because of this great and grievous sin. They would have been outside of the synagogue. They would have been outside of the covenant of God's people. Oh, and Mary and Joseph, where are they from? Well, they're from Nazareth. And as someone would say one time, can can anything good come from there, Nazareth? Nazareth was flyover country. Nazareth, look, I'm from Tennessee, I was born in Mississippi. I can say this Nazareth was the rednecks, they were the hillbillies, they were the people that people pointed and laughed. And Mary and Joseph are a couple of rednecks from a redneck town that have now been ostracized and shunned and shamed by their own community and family. This is the earthly perspective of Christmas. And then the plot, the story goes on, the drama increases. It says that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, which we know as a feeding trough for animals because there wasn't any room for them or place for them in the inn. And again, we have our manger scenes and it's cute and cuddly, but this is a family that is in crisis. I read over it very quickly. It should read, the time came for her to give birth! Exclamation mark. In a stable, a cave, somewhere where the animals were, manure on the floor. This is a dangerous situation. That's what Luke wants us to see here the earthly perspective of the story of christmas is bleak but then secondly see the perspective changes and now we are literally outside of the walls there of the city of bethlehem and their shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night an angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shines around them, and they are terrified. They are so afraid. But then all of a sudden, when the angel speaks, we get now not an earthly perspective, but a heavenly vantage point of what's happening, where it says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Christ Christ who is the Messiah, the one that you have been waiting for all of your lives, and the people of God have been waiting for for thousands of years, and he's here. And all of a sudden now, we understand from the heavenly perspective of the story of Christmas that it isn't the Roman Empire or Julius Caesar who's ultimately in control here, but it's who? It's Almighty God. For we remember from the prophet Micah, which we heard at the very beginning of this service, 700 years before the birth of Christ, and Micah had prophesied that the Messiah, the Christ, was going to be born in the little town of Bethlehem. So we see here from the heavenly vantage point, God's omnipotent, sovereign power, and the most powerful empire the world has ever known, and the most powerful man, Caesar Augustus, are like pieces on a chessboard that God is moving around to fulfill his promises, his covenant with his people, to fulfill prophecy, his plan of salvation for you and the world. Whoa. And these characters of Mary and Joseph, a couple of redneck kids from a redneck town that had been ostracized and shamed and shunned, well, it says in verse 13 that suddenly there was with the angel of to the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. God was so pleased with Mary and Joseph. And here we see God taking the values of the world and he's turning them as he always does, completely upside down and inside out. The ones who were shunned and shamed by the religious leaders of the day says oh I am pleased with you from the town that no one wants to be from the place where people point and laugh and God says you are my people he doesn't go to the palaces he doesn't go to the kings and the queens and the rulers he doesn't go to the temple he doesn't go to the high priest he goes to these poor peasants says i am pleased with you and finally the says she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped it in swaddling cloths and look all of our manger scenes in the paintings there's a little halo or there's warm glowing light or there's light radiating or beaming from the face of christ that wasn't there from the earthly perspective But we know from the heavenly perspective, from the angel, it says, a Savior has been born to you who is the Christ. He is, he says, the Lord, God in human flesh. As the apostle John would later go on to write in the very first verses of his gospel, That in the very beginning, before there was time or space or anything in this physical universe, in the very beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. And John says, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. that from the heavenly perspective, we see something so utterly astonishing, unpredictable, so beautiful as God puts himself in a situation, takes on fragile human flesh so that he can be beaten, he can be killed, he can be nailed to the cross. And from the earthly perspective, that looked like defeat, but from the heavenly perspective, it was absolute victory. And that victory is your victory here tonight as he has taken away all of your sin and has given to you the gift of everlasting life. Oh my goodness, Christmas from the earthly perspective, it is so bleak and so dire. But Christmas from the heavenly perspective is unbelievably beautiful what God is doing. And the story of Christmas is your story. As you turn to Christ with nothing in your hands, the empty hands of faith, And you can follow the way of the world and you can say, well, I don't believe in God or, you know, God, maybe there is a God but he's not very interested in my life or this world and you can say that life is random and all the things that have been going on in our lives and here in 2020 and there's no purpose behind it or if Christmas is true, it means that God is doing something in your life and in all of our lives together that is more beautiful than we can even possibly imagine. There is so much bad news in the world today. But because Christmas is true, we have, you have good news because a Savior has been born to you who is Christ the Lord. And to him be all the glory.